Okay. So tonight's topic is what is compassionate action for you in these times? And this is a talk and discussion inspired by an event that happened earlier tonight <coughs> called Mind Your Democracy. Um, can you raise your hand or put up a little emoji if you were there at that event, Mind Your Democracy? Did anybody go to that? Okay, good. I see a couple hands. All right. So a few of us. So I'll just give a little, um, okay, I see some hands. Um, I'll give you a little sort of overview of the event and share some things from it and then share a little bit about compassionate action from a Buddhist perspective. Um, yes, and let's see. All right, so the event, Mind Our Democracy was conceived of this summer by Tara Brock and Conda Mason and Tanisara and James Barras. These are all um, Western Vipassana teachers. Probably many of you know all of them. Western Vipassana teachers with large communities. Um, and so communities of meditation, mindfulness, and yoga practitioners um, who recognize voting as an extension of contemplative practice. So it was really originally conceived of as a sort of a get out the vote effort. And that was a, a significant part of tonight, um, encouraging all of us in, that were there to vote. There were probably a total of about 2,000 people there tonight, um, some hundreds on YouTube and some hundreds on Zoom. Um, I don't know if it was 2000, it might've been less than that, but like, I know that there were a thousand on YouTube. That's where I was. I don't know how many people were on the zoom, but a lot. And they were asking us all to vote if we haven't already. And also to encourage three to five other people to vote, um, because this election is so important. Um, but they realized, I think fairly recently in the creation of this event that it needed to be more than a quick little get out the vote um, gathering. <laughs> it's actually the starting of a movement. And that's pretty exciting. Um, because these people who are, are calling forth um, clarity and compassionate action are um, very grounded wise people in my my opinion um the people that were there uh, was opened by tara brock and then it was um emceed by reggie hammond who's wonderful hubbard and there was john cabot sen and conda mason and dan harris and ruth king um I know I'm going to leave some people out, but um, at the end of tonight, I, I, I'll, I'll take us to watch the last seven minutes, which was a really 
heartful talk and brief meditation from Tanisara. Um, yeah, so it was inspiring. And um, I'll share with you some of the things that I thought really stood out. Um, first of all, Tara shared this quote from El Arnast. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break and all things can be mended. Not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go, love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. So to the degree that we allow our fear or our fatigue or our doubt or our aversion um, make our decisions for us, we, uh, we perpetuate the confusion, we perpetuate uh, the delusion. And then to the degree that we move through that, even though that can be challenging for us at times, move through that to a place of clarity and courage and compassion. Um, we're the light. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. And so Tara shared that and um, I think this was John Kabat-Zinn who said, taking your seat in practice, yeah, this was John, taking your seat in practice is a radical act of sanity and love as is compassionate action. And that what we're doing in circles like this one that we're in right now, we're all supporting each other in what he called internal governance. But he, it's also, he also called it internal sanity when we're working to see clearly what's happening in the present moment and then respond to what we see with care and concern and love or with gratitude, you know, when blessings are available, um, then we're cultivating an inward governance. And once we have some kind of familiarity with this inward governance, then we have this knowledge, this wisdom to bring out to the wider body of governance with each other. So what he said, and, and I really believe this is true, is we are uh, already in an act of compassionate, in compassionate action with our practice and with, it, with Sangha like this that we're in right now. We're already doing something wonderful. And then the invitation for us to think about is what else am I willing? Is there anywhere else where I feel some willingness, some calling, some courage to step forward, beginning with voting and encouraging other people to vote? Conda Mason talked, and another person whose name I didn't get, uh, but I'll go, go you, and you can see this uh, online too. Um, on Tara Brock's YouTube channel, The Mind Our Democracy. It was an hour long. It went by really quickly because there were so many speakers. Um, but Conda talked about 
ancestors and descendants and being in touch with and supported by our ancestors and um, you know when I say one person said when I say the word ancestor who comes to mind and let that person um, support you as we you know feel some sense of gratitude for them for whatever they did in their lifetime to move us forward into this present moment and then also connecting with our descendants Kanda read the first part of a poem called Hieroglyphic Stairway by Drew Dallinger and I, I looked it up and I'll read it to you now it's 323 in the morning and I'm awake because my great-great-grandchildren won't let me sleep. My great-great-grandchildren ask me in dreams, what did you do while the planet was plundered? What did you do when the earth was unraveling? Surely you did something when the seasons started failing. As the mammals, reptiles, birds were all dying? Did you fill the streets with protest when democracy was stolen? What did you do once you knew? It's 3.23 in the morning and I'm awake because my great-great-grandchildren ask me in dreams what did you do once you knew? I think it's really important as we as we explore sort of our outer boundaries around compassionate action um, not to employ the inner critic. You know, for some of us, voting for some of us, healing. For some of us, phone banking. For some of us, protesting. For some of us, taking care of our elder declining relatives or our children. We all have our ways and places that we can and do show up. And then the invitation to consider for us all myself too is is there an is there is there an edge a little edge a, a pushable edge not pushed from the critic but more like from the heart just exploring that Dan Harris talked about wise selfishness this is something i've heard before um uh, he talked he said the dalai lamas was talking about it recently when he was there in india he just got back last week apparently um that practicing benevolence generosity compassion is actually wise for our own well-being it's wise selfishness rather than foolish selfishness foolish selfishness uh, is greed and acquires and acts through hatred and aversion and ill will and so forth 
in Buddhism that's considered foolish because of the havoc it creates to our her own heart and mind and consciousness. Wise selfishness, benevolence because it gives us, the one practicing benevolence, uh, meaning and supports peace, supports inner peace. And if we're feeling powerless, taking action also supports peace or lessening of anxiety. You may have heard James Bears say it's, it's uh, something he quotes often. Uh, Angelus Arian, amazing social scientist who said, action absorbs anxiety or action alleviates anxiety. So this notion of practicing benevolence and noticing the positive impact that it has on us. Ruth King talked about knowing, you know, she wants to encourage people to really know what they're voting for. I have a friend who um, is, runs the public radio station in Kansas City, Missouri. And they're really trying to politicize the community, very challenging to do. And in part of their efforts, they did a study uh, with, a, I don't know how many people, I can't remember how many people um, it was, but they had some number of people, let's just say 50, but I'm not quite sure that's right, some number of people that they brought to the radio station weekly for six weeks. And they paid each person $50 for each time they came. So they got a big cross section of, um, you know, age and income level and race and religion and, and certainly political affiliation. And they did all of this conversation and talk and questioning with these folks. Of all the people that were there, there were like one or two active Republicans and one or two active Democrats and everybody else was pretty passive politically. And what they found was sort of regardless of their efforts that people's attitude was if they voted at all, which many people didn't and didn't want to do, if they voted at all, then they would just press D for Democrat or R for Republican, depending on what their families had done without ever spending any time looking at the issues particularly. And when we think about kind action, when we're going out into the world and doing political and social justice work, Ruth suggests that we look to the paramis and the precepts. The paramis are this, these 10 qualities of the awakened heart, generosity, integrity, simplicity, wisdom, loving kindness, equanimity, patience, truthfulness, etc. And the precepts are all about integrity. So essentially what protects human rights, the earth, and those kinds of causes to move for, towards them, to build them, to support them, and things that violate human rights or, or environmental, you know, 
and I know, and they said this too, it's not, it's not all, never simple and never perfect, but to incline in the direction of um, kindness, essentially. Embody our practice through our actions. So that's a, a little summation of the of the Mind Your Democracy event from earlier this evening and some of my thoughts about it. I'm going to say just a little bit more about compassion from a Buddhist perspective. And then ask you some questions. I'd love to I'd love to know how any of this is landing or what your thoughts are. Um, so compassion, the dictionary definition says that compassion means sympathetic consciousness of others' distress along with a desire to alleviate it. And you probably know that in Buddhism, compassion is held up as an entire half of the whole of what we need in order to be free from suffering. <laughs> the other half is wisdom, wisdom and compassion. So compassion is really paramount in Buddhism. The quivering of the heart in response to suffering and the longing to alleviate it. the move toward action. Buddhist teacher Christina Feldman says, to turn away from pain and suffering is to embed ourselves in a life of denial, avoidance, and agitation. A life disconnected from the universal story of all beings to turn toward the reality of distress and pain is to open the door to the immeasurable compassion possible for each of us and to take our seat in the family of all beings. So it's so interesting because as we debunk within ourselves and then move through the conditioning that says that suffering has to be minimized, denied, avoided, and instead we cultivate like the capacity to tolerate and be with and be present for suffering. It breaks our hearts, but it also connects us to this universal vulnerability that we have with all beings. Tara Brock talks about, she didn't in the event, but in another in another place she talks about um, feeling enraged about something in politics and moving from rage, staying present with it, staying present with the rage, not minimizing that or pushing it down, staying present with the rage and then feeling as she brought the practice of rain, recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture as she brought 
presence to her rage. She could feel the grief. And then her practice called her to stay present with the grief, which is also not easy to do. Stay present with the grief. And she had, you know, the support and the practice history to be able to do that. Stay present with the grief. And then underneath the grief, she felt her love. Felt the love of beings for beings that's a sort of at the heart of loving awareness which is what our hearts are when they're not protected and barricaded so intensely that we can't access them so practice allows for this incredible sense of connectivity and care but it also requests us to um be present and we have to be really patient with ourselves it, it's not easy there's a there are a lot of teachings about um our zones of tolerance <laughs> what can we tolerate before we become really dysregulated i remember back in the 90s reading a book by dr andrew weil maybe some of you remember him and um and one of his advice, one of his pieces of advice in that book was take a news fast sometimes, take a day off. If you find yourself getting dysregulated every day, you know, titrate. But don't leave forever. We have to kind of find our way with connecting with suffering. Thich Nhat Hanh recommends also for the purpose of being in touch and connected with our own hearts as well as the world to deliberately stay in touch with suffering, our own and others. But again, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, what do they call those things in the circus? A high wire because because we want to, we want to get to this place of open heartedness and connection and courage. But if we, but if in our staying connected with pain is just too much and too overwhelming, we'll fall off. So we take a few steps, and then we take a breather. It also really helps to be in community. Um, when we realize mm, common humanity, when we realize kind of that we all carry burdens and that we all find the political landscape challenging and we all want to be happy, um, we can re restore each other. So we tune into the longing for love and safety and we turn, tune into the universal story of pain and challenge. And then we touch into love and compassion is a form of love. This is Christina Feldman again. We learn we can turn toward rather than away from.
to include rather than exclude, to attend rather than ignore, and to open our hearts to the cries of our own hearts and the cries of the world. So how do we cultivate compassionate presence? We have whatever we have from our conditioning and, you know, the degree of resilience we have depending on what's going on in our lives. So number one is staying connected with and kind with yourself, having a capacity for self-compassion recognizing when you are suffering oh this is a moment of suffering that's mindfulness remembering you're not alone and bringing in self-kindness may i hold myself in kindness may i accept myself as i am and then staying connected with others as I was mentioning, to whatever degree is possible for us and our systems. And then if it's accessible for us, doing actions that whatever actions are possible. I mean, making a phone call to support your sister to vote. <laughs> or more. Many of you do much, much more than that. Okay. So, my quest, my question for you well, first of all, before I ask you a question about your own self and your own practice, let me ask you this question to think about. Bring to mind one of the most compassionate people you know. What is it about them that why do you think they're compassionate? What is it about them that makes you think so? Is it their general energy? Is it what they do in the world? And so if you like, you can either raise your hand or put in the chat. What are some of the qualities of the most compassionate people you know? Nathan. Hi, good evening. Um, 
nobody in particular came up for me, but I, when I think of the quality of what a compassionate person has, I think of maintaining an open heart despite adversity or um, difficult personal situations is kind of keeping the door open. And I think that that's such a combination of, of compassion and steadfastness that um, something I hope to cultivate for myself too. So Beautiful. Thank you, Nathan. So in the chat, we have passionate about social justice. They're generous with their time to help others. The unconditional love for me, they love me unconditionally, lovely. Yeah. Intentional connection with others. You know, and as we're hearing this, passionate about social justice, generous with their time to help others, they love me unconditionally, intentional connection with others. Just think about, you know, what Nathan just said about that intention for yourself, if that feels authentic to you, that intention to more and more embody these qualities. Intention is a really powerful energy. It's the energy that precedes all action. Putting others' needs first. Good, we're all in this crazy situation together, humor. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. Thank you. So now I want to invite something we hardly ever do in this Sangha because there's so many introverts among us. But I want to invite um, breakout rooms. Now, if that just put a shock in your heart, you don't have to go. You don't have to go in. We can sit out here and, and meditate quietly for five minutes. But if you feel willing, you know, given what we were just reading about, thinking about, you know, <sighs> intentional connecting with others, you know, if you feel willing, you know that these people here around us, everybody here on this Zoom is somebody who's at least curious about Dharma and compassion. Um, if you feel willing, the question that, that I'll invite you to ponder in the breakout room 
is in what situations is it easy for you to be compassionate and when is it difficult okay <laughs> and what we'll do is um because i don't know how many of you are going to go in i'll make groups of four or five and then hopefully they'll be like two or three or four or five in with you and we'll just have you know a, a minute or two each to reflect on where is he where where do you find compassion easy and where do you find it difficult just a little reflection but so before we go in let's just take a moment to think about that where is it easy for you and where is it hard Okay. One, two, three, four, five groups. All right. So um, let's say 10 minutes. And I'll put the question in the chat too. And you should see an invitation to go to a um, breakout room. So if you're still here, that's fine. Welcome and we'll just meditate together. Just enjoy being together in the quiet. Okay. Linda, I'm going to move you to a different breakout group. If I can find you.
Oh, there you are. Okay. Linda, I'm going to move you to a different group. Oh, it's just... Those of us who are here in the main room can just practice mindfulness. We've got like seven more minutes. Or if you like, you can join me in just spending some time contemplating this question ourselves. Uh, it's in the chat. Um, in what situations is it easy to be compassionate? When is it difficult and why?
So we have two more minutes in here. Just practicing mindfulness or contemplating that energy of compassion. Okay, our, our breakout room peeps are coming back now. All right, welcome back. How did that go? Yeah, yeah, great. So, um, love to hear anything you you know anything that you noticed or part of your experience or or your response to that question. Um, in what situation is it easy to be compassionate? When it is diff when is it difficult, and why? Yeah. Anybody who feels willing to share. Steve, and then Rebecca. Oh, Steve, uh, were you raising your hand? No, okay, sorry. Rebecca. Yeah, what, um, I really did learn something because uh, in my group, uh, someone said that, that how much we need compassion, that even when he was with kids, he was a teacher, and the kids were not compassionate, he had to leave. Mm. So even that we need compassion so much, I didn't even realize, I thought children, you know, that you could let go, you know, let a lot go with children. But he said that that because the children were not compassionate, he had to leave. That really hit me. So yeah, yeah, I understand that. Hear that, and and sad to hear that. But mm -hmm. but compassion that much. So mm -hmm. thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was an elementary school music teacher for three decades, along with being a Dharma practitioner all those same years. And there were times I, I, yeah, kids are like grownups in that they have the whole gamut. <laughs> they have love and compassion and generosity and truthfulness, and that's all innate. Also innate is greed and hatred and delusion. And that's why with children, as well as here we are as adults, we work to cultivate these beautiful qualities because we can, but it takes incredible patience and perseverance. And we need to find ways that work for us. And some people do, some people can be right in there with kids and, you know, and some of us just get like, wow, this is too hard. I totally get that. Yeah. Any other reflections or noticings around where compassion is accessible for you and where it's harder? One thing I notice in myself is that compassion may or may not be available to me depending on what I believe. So working with my beliefs, if I have beliefs that, are, that, that stop me from, um, from acting compassionately to notice those and work on them. Linda. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is timely, I think, with the elections coming up. Yeah. Um, it's really easy to be, feel compassion with, with, you know, this in the setting with others who really value uh, loving kindness and um, are, are working towards this, uh, this path. It's so easy, you know, I feel like we're all connected in this way, but, you know, so, you know, so I have family members, and some of the political things that I've seen um, where people are not compassionate towards others. Like it's part of their platform to be, to exclude and to, uh, you know, have a certain, um, yeah, meanness really. It's, it's non-inclusive and, and, and judgmental and, you know, um, yeah, it, it feels very unfair. And, and with the, in those situations, when I see that, I just tense up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, you're not, you're not, you're, you're generalizing and you're not looking at people for who they really are, which is, you know, people have so much good inside of them. Every yeah. person, you just need to know one person of that, whatever race or group that you think you're discriminating against to make friends with and, see mm -hmm. how people really are you know but you know just this judgment that judging others and when i feel judged it's i tense up and i just can't you know have a really hard time um yeah feeling that loving connection with others yeah it does it's really hard somebody put in the chat um 
It's difficult to be compassionate when someone is being disrespectful towards me. If I'm hurting, it's hard to be compassionate. That's relating in some ways to what you're saying. Like, like it's one thing to be compassionate when we're in a vibe of compassion, but when people are being really harsh or intense or uh, mean, it's much harder to sustain compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Susie. Oh, hi, everybody. Um, thank you. I was able, only able to come late, but um, I saw this in the hospital. If it was a lovely person with cancer, they got compassion. But if it was an obese, non-compliant, smoking alcoholic or something, then they were judged and didn't receive as much compassion. But mm -hmm. you were just talking about it is that I have to notice my own capacity for compassion if I'm weakened, because I also could become judgmental towards the judgmental and uh and right. my anger there i only have so much capacity um to remember that they they too had causes and conditions that's right but the idea of uh noticing as you teach with self-care is to notice my own capacity for compassion and often uh and notice my with mindfulness my own aversion to other people's and my own sometimes like right now my um my beliefs or my physical condition or some aversion to self or others and it's really hard it's very tricky yeah it is get that distance from yeah being in it yeah thank the you opposite of compassion is cruelty and it doesn't matter how many times removed it is if cruelty is starting to show up it's it's not serving us whether that's cruelty towards ourselves or cruelty towards somebody who we don't think we don't like or cruelty towards somebody who seems to be judging the person we don't like or whatever that's what we're scanning for to take care of our own hearts is is there a version present cruelty yeah thank you susie sally it's probably the last one um yeah i was thinking about compassion um, around the subject of substance abuse, mm -hmm. how people can block um, their souls by the substances they consume. Yeah. Um, that's something that I came through myself. Yeah. Um, and so I try to interact with other people who are in those circumstances with a great deal of compassion. Beautiful. Because I think that, that comes from pain most of the time. Totally. Yeah. The people that are so sensitive, they just have to say, I have to deaden my nerve endings. It's totally. Then, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. 100%. What's needed is compassion, mm -hmm. not judgment. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, Sally. Well, so much more could be said, but I really appreciate um, your being here tonight. And, and those of you who felt willing to go into the breakout rooms, thank you. And the rest of us who have stayed in meditation, thank you. Um, and yeah, this is an ongoing conversation. And let's all, uh, you know, send out a collective prayer for best possible outcomes next week and vote and encourage our people to vote. Um, 
Yeah, and then um, traditionally we end circles like this with a dedication of merit, uh, offering the any good energy that we've generated to be for the benefit of all beings. May, the, may all beings everywhere know compassion and wisdom. And may all beings everywhere, ourselves included, be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. No peace and the causes of peace. All right, my friends, thank you so much. I'm wishing you a peaceful week and look forward to seeing you next week. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Eve. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Eve. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night. Thanks, Eve. Thank you. Pleasure. Good luck, my American friends. I'm in Canada and I wish you well. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs>